Welcome to Changing the Rules, a weekly podcast about people who are living their best lives and advice on how you can achieve that too. Join us with your lively host, Ray Lowe, better known as the luckiest guy in the world. It's gonna have to be a different man. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Changing the Rules. As most of you know, Changing the Rules is about the luckiest people in the world. And we've kind of defined the luckiest people in the world who are those people who actually take the step forward to redesign, rethink their lives, design them the way they want to live them, and then step into them and live them under those terms. And we have a great guest today, and that great guest is actually representative of two forms of the guests that we normally get here. Uh, We tend to get guests who come in who are kind of coaches and tell us how we should think about our lives and help us get a handle on them. And then we have people who are actually making changes in their lives, following their interests and their motivations, and act as an examples of how to do this. And Glenna Crooks, uh, welcome to Changing the Rules, Glenna. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Okay, and I'm excited today because you've just got an incredible topic. Uh, But before we get into where you're going now, your latest project, let's get into your background a little bit. You started life as a school psychologist, I think? I did. Um, I am actually in my eighth career right now um, that started in education it moved to healthcare. It's been in the public sector and government. I was an appointee of President Ronald Reagan. Uh, it moved on to the corporate sector, and <clears throat> then I became an entrepreneur. Now, what each one of these has in common is that I have been organizing chaos and solving complex problems. Um, I just have a skill for understanding puzzles and how to solve them in order to try to make the world a better place. Yeah, and that's evident in the way you've organized your thinking for the topic we're going to talk about. So so your new company or your new project here, uh, you call the Network Sage. And yes. uh, it's it's related to all these things in your past, but it's it's actually attacking a new set of problems about the way each of us needs to think going forward in our lives. Did I kind of get that right? Boy, you really did. And I have to say that the problem that I was trying to solve at the time, uh, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in a minute, is not something I could have solved earlier in my life. I don't think I had enough experience or enough wisdom. So what happened is that as I found or began to explore this field, I mean, actually, in many ways, this is a field that I created. So as I started to explore this field, what I I did and was designing this, I kept looking back at my life and all of the lessons that I had learned to see if this fit. And so not only did it help me see this new structure we're going to talk about, but it helped me validate that it was real. And it also made me uh, envious that I of my own understanding now that I didn't have it back then. I didn't have it when I was in my 20s and 30s and 40s. If I knew then what I know today, my life would have been far more successful. I would have had such a bigger impact in the world. Okay, let's start with a story. You you talk about the importance of having your own pit crew. So where the heck did that come from? Yeah, so a tiny bit of the backstory. 
uh, all of this started in around 2005. That's when my clients, who were top business people in the world, uh, top government officials around the world, um, started to tell me that life was too complicated and they wanted to quit. Some wanted to quit a marriage, others wanted to quit a job. And I thought, what a shame that would be because they were so talented, they were so energetic, and, and we needed them in the world. I mean, after all, we've got some problems on deck. We need all the hands on board to solve it. So I went looking for a solution, and I found one in 2007. Now, it was in an unlikely place. It was a fashion magazine from an unlikely person, Robert Downey Jr. Now, I don't normally even notice uh, interviews in fashion magazines, but you see, the trailer for the first Iron Man had just dropped. I happen to like action flicks and superheroes, and I think that's why I noticed it. Well, in this... um, in this interview, he said that he had a pit crew of people helping him out. A yoga teacher, a sensei, a psychiatrist. He said, but I need a pit crew because after all, I'm not a Model T, I'm a Ferrari. And it takes more of a pit crew to keep us on the road. Now, I must have been in a snarky mood that day because I thought to myself, Buster, if you're a Ferrari, I'm at least a Maserati. And then I thought, you know what? You're right. It does take a pit crew. Who's mine? And how are they doing? And then after a while, I thought, uh-oh, I'm on other people's pit crews. How am I doing? Now, I have to say, I never actually had the courage to ask. But in truth, I know there were people that I let down. And when I think about those times, uh, what comes to me a lot is that I let people down because other people I was depending on let me down. And so it became a whole chain of, in that case, negative events. Now, you could also say the same thing about the positive. When I get good support from the pit crews around me, I, in turn, am in better shape to help other people. So it does all go around and come around um, in both directions. Yeah, you know, one of one of the things that this highlights is that we're all individuals, and individuals can't be experts at everything in the world. So you need a pit crew, a network, and let's use the word network because that's where you're going with this whole thing. So let's talk a little bit about the networks that you envisioned as you started thinking this through and what did you see? And then you've got some great stories I want to get into. Yeah. So, you know, what happened at first is that, um, you know, I thought about this. I didn't know who was in my pit crew. So I took a blank sheet of paper and put it on the kitchen counter and I would write down names as people came to me. And it was only working with this information over a long period of time, I started to realize that not only was I connecting with them, but they were connecting with one another while they were connecting with me. And it was really more like a network. In addition to that, even though the, the uh, pit crew imagery is a good place to start, the analogy breaks down after a while. Because after all, it's um, when, you know, when the race driver pulls into the pit and the pit crew goes to work, that's done for the driver automatically. The driver does not have to get out of the car and negotiate with the pit boss about what the car might or might not need. It's, it's automatically done 
most of us, once we get past the, our, our infancy, don't have that kind of a crew around us taking care of uh, taking care of us. So at some point in time, I think we need to shake ourselves out of that image. It's a good place to start. But then networks are a good place to wind up. Now, I've identified two big types. There are There's one huge type that I call, mass major type, called um, life networks. These are the people who are enduring in our lives. And altogether, there are eight different groups of them, networks of them, within within this category. Um, and it, this is all intuitive. Uh, it's hiding in plain sight. You have a family network first. Second, you have a health and vitality network. Third, an education and enrichment network. Fourth, um, a spiritual network, and fifth, a social and community network. Now that makes sense so far, right, Ray? I mean, it's just, it's just yeah. intuitive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And now I call those birthright networks because your parents initially created these for you. I mean, you started changing them when you were a kid, uh, but you're going to need the functions that those networks provide for your entire life. Then you mature into three more of these enduring networks. I call them coming of age networks for that reason. First, a career network, which is where we usually think about networking. Uh, next, a home and personal affairs network. Personal affairs being things like your car dealer, your banker, your lawyer, your estate planner. And then finally, you have a network that I call ghosts. Now, I did not go looking for ghosts, but they kept showing up in the work that I did with people. Because this whole framework just didn't come out of my head in my own experience. I've worked with over 500 people, ranging in age from 7 to 87, although my 87-year-old is now 93. I'm following her longitudinally. Uh, and so it was their experience, too. And they were the ones who started talking about the people who used to be in their lives, but who are no longer. And um, that was incredibly enriching for me as well. We might be able to get into that story. Then you have a, a series of what I call event networks. These are people who come into your life just temporarily to help you through an event, like um, you bought a house, you sold a house, you relocated, you got a new job, maybe you had a baby or you had a wedding. Those are events. Uh, maybe you had a hip replacement. That's an event. People come and help you through that event, um, and then they pretty much disperse. So those are the two major types of networks, one being enduring and the other being um, temporary. Okay, so great thinking. I have a structure now, but let's get into this a little deeper in a way that uh, I, th I think it makes sense to people. So when you lay out all these networks, I look at it and I say, I'm overwhelmed. Uh, you know, there are so many people in my life, in and out of my life. How do I ever capitalize them and, and, and take advantage of them? But uh, you gave me the story of a single mom with a couple of kids and you were talking about all of a sudden she's managing this huge network of people for, for support. Give us an example of the kind of people that were in that network and what happens. Yes. Now, um, this particular woman had been in a very senior position in an advertising agency, left it to start her own firm. And when we talked, she said, I haven't been able to work in my own company in six months. Um, because she has two children and they both have special needs. Took her through the process that I've developed, and uh, she observed several things. Um, the first one for her is that 
um, uh, she wasn't taking good care of herself that there were a lot of crises along the way. So there was nothing in her life that was enriching her and energizing her to help her keep going. That was an important observation for her. The second one, though, is that she was managing 47 people for just one of her children. He had ADHD and uh, sort of like was on the spectrum or didn't have um, autism, but uh, but probably uh, Asperger's syndrome. So between the people in education and healthcare, 47 different people. And he was having meltdowns at school three times a week. She was always in there negotiating with them. So she finally recouped some of her energy, um, went to the school the next time he had a meltdown, and said, you know what, you guys have failed. My son deserves an education. It's your responsibility. You haven't done it. So he gets to go to a private school. Uh, I've looked it up where there are three of them in this area. Let's go pick one. And by the way, you're going to pay for it. So she got him into a special high school at that stage. Uh, He was just starting high school. Um, In addition to that, he was seeing three different female psychiatrists. She said, you know, he's 13 or 14 years old. I want him to see a man. And uh, we found one who's good, but he's $400 an hour. And I just am not sure I can afford this. Um, what she realized was that um, she could fire the three women and just hire the man and come out ahead um, uh, financially by a lot. Now, she did get him into the special school. She got the number down to eight. She was able to go back to her own firm and work. I'm also pleased to say that it resulted in a better outcome for her son. Um, This was um, well over a decade ago. He ended up graduating from high school early, going to college, eventually joining the Army, where he became one of the uh, top people working in cybersecurity. Um, He was asked finally to move to the White House and do cybersecurity for the White House. Decided he didn't want to, so he left the Army. He's in the private sector now. But that's an amazing accomplishment for a young man who, less than 10 years ago, uh, was, was in such dire uh, straits, but because his mother was able to free up the bandwidth and now leverage the networks better. And that, that all comes from being able to understand and figure out who you're dependent on, what they bring to you, and what they don't bring to you. Is that kind of the right thinking? Yes. And you know, that sounds so basic, but in fact, we've never been taught to how to do this. You know, from the time we were young kids, people taught us about how to manage money. We had a piggy bank. Maybe we had an allowance. Uh, when we got older, we had financial advisors and spreadsheets and, and ways of looking at whether we were optimizing our financial capital. We don't have that for human capital. So even the step of becoming aware of who was in your life is a radical step for everyone. Yeah, and and also looking at it from the standpoint of when somebody leaves your network, what happens? So uh, I live in a continuing care community where we have a lot of times where a husband and wife will live together. Their life is togetherness, and then all of a sudden one gets sick, and and all of a, and I started thinking about what would happen if something happened to my wife. I'd be lost. Uh, you know, there, there, there are so many things that she does that I would have to start to re-put together again, and it's because of my network. So, so how do we, um, 
How do you help people do this? Is this like a process of helping them just talk their way through these networks, starting with whatever is bothering them? Or what, what's your process? My first suggestion always is to start with um, identifying all the people in your life. Now, I have a process I can walk people through, and we can do that in less than an hour. And then I can produce an actual kind of a display for them so that they can see a, almost helicopter over their lives. And in that exercise, what becomes very clear is who is important, who might be missing, so that they know what additional resources they may have to go out and find. Um, so that's one possibility. The second possibility is uh, I have run group coaching programs. I just finished one for about 20 seniors, um, taking them through the process as a group of identifying each of their own and then talking in a group about what it would mean to them and, and therefore what different decisions they would want to make as a part of their plan to age, uh, age in their homes. That was another, there's another opportunity. I have developed an app for this. Uh, but the, I'm at the stage now where I've run out of runway and I have to go in a different um, uh, direction to get that launched in the marketplace. That's just going to be a while, but it'll happen. Okay. And you're in the process now of uh, doing another book. Uh, what, what was the book that you've written so far that covers your thinking on networking? The book is called The Network Sage, Realize Your Network Superpower. And... True to what happens a lot when I talk to people about this idea, they start seeing new ways to use it. And what happened was some people use that book to enhance their retirement planning. And I'll tell you that everybody who intended to relocate to an over 55 community somewhere like in Florida or to go live near their adult kids changed their plans after they read the book because they realized what they were going to have to replace in terms of their networks. And they said, you know, we can always go to Florida and rent a condo for a month, or we can always go see the kids. Now, um, but then some seniors who were already retired started reading it and saying, well, we want our own book. I mean, your book is written for working adults. That's exactly right. That book is written for working adults. Um, so the new book is called Longevity Pioneering, uh, Building Your Personal Village. The idea being, um, we've said it takes a village to raise a child. The reality is it takes a village for all of us at every stage of our life. So uh, what I'm doing is taking um, the same ideas, um, uh, but I'm pitching it now. I'm, I'm thinking now about the older person uh, and what their needs are, and particularly now as those evolve and we live longer. Uh, we... I call it longevity pioneering, and I'm part of that generation. I'm a boomer. Um, we're going to live another 30 or 40 years of healthy lifespan. And we're going to do it without the help of a very large, close-by family and without deep ties to social institutions. Our families are smaller today. They're, dis they're disrupted by divorce to a far greater degree than ever. And we're the most mobile country in the world. 40% of Americans live an average of 700 miles from family, and particularly if they were good in the STEM subjects in high school. So you could have family, but they could be far away and not available to help you kind of urgently or in the moment if you needed to. And then, you know, women have been the traditional caregivers, and they're in the workforce. So we're really a kind of a pioneering 
generation now. And I'm pretty excited about those opportunities. Uh, whatever we learn now is going to so benefit future generations. You know, kids that are born today are virtually guaranteed to live to be 100. And they say the first person to live to be 150 has already been born. So just imagine what we have the opportunity to do now and explore and what we can leave behind for people who are coming. But you need that support network and you got to sit down and start figuring it out, right? Right. Okay. So we're near the end of our time over here. So do you, and, and, and we'll put up your contact information in our podcast notes so that people can find you if they want more information and, and find your, your, your uh, websites, et cetera. But uh, are there any last minute comments that you want to make before we sign off? Uh, just one. Um, you know, the term independent living, independent, I want to be independent, I want to be independent, um, is something I will write about in the book. I have been really influenced by Stephen Covey. We grow from being dependent to becoming independent to realizing we are interdependent. So I hope that everybody will think about this interdependence. It's not just who we need to help us, but the reality is we have the capacity to help others too. And it's that interdependence that is going to keep us all going. You know, you have my mind racing a mile a minute now. I've got to revamp my networks and I've got to start thinking this way because, uh, uh, you know, just thank you so much for opening my mind to a different way of viewing my life. And uh, I hope to get you on again and we'll talk more. And when is this new book coming out? Do we have a deadline yet or is it still floating in the ether? Uh, by the end of the year, I'll, by the end of the year, but I'll tell you what, here's what I'm lacking are stories. So I have space to work with about 10 different people at no charge to them uh, in return for them allowing me to, uh, if we find something that's a worthwhile story to share, to share anonymously, of course, I never disclose anything personal uh, or identifiable about somebody, but anonymously. That's what I'm lacking right now are stories. All right. We'll see if we can drum some up for you. So thanks so much for being <laughs> with us. And uh, Ellen, sign us off. Thank you for listening to Changing the Rules. Join us next week for more conversation, our special guest, and to hear more from the luckiest guy in the world. It's going to have to be a different man. Change me